Hey everyone, and welcome back to the Rootless Living Podcast in episode number 48. My name is Damian Ross, and besides being the host of this podcast, I'm also the publisher of a digital nomad magazine called Rootless Living. Hey, a quick reminder, after this episode, head over to rootlessliving.com and you can grab a free digital subscription to the Rootless Living magazine. Just go to rootlessliving.com forward slash digital. Today I'm talking to Keith and Renee, the duo behind Sailing Zatara. I hope I'm saying that right. And on this episode, we go where this show has never gone before, you guys. We're going to be on the open sea and out of the USA. But like always, before I say too much, let's get into the episode. All right, with that, I want to welcome Keith and Renee to the show. How are you guys? Man, we are doing great. Damien, how are you doing? Are you guys? That's so awesome. Are you guys in the future or are you guys in the past? Like right now, it's... We are in- we are in your future. There we you are go. one day ahead of you. There you go. I mean, I'm going to be excited getting into that. And I think you guys might be my first not in the United States as I'm talking to them in the United Statesers <laughs> kind of a thing. So I'm excited about that. This is going to be a really cool story. So what I'd like to do is let's go back to 2016. Let's go back to when you're living probably what everyone considers the American dream. You got the kids, you got the house, you got the careers. What changed for you guys? and when did you guys decide to do what you're doing? Well, we, we were in Texas and, and, and a suburb of Texas, in Flower Mountain, Texas, and a suburb of Dallas, Fort Worth. And uh, I had an oil and gas company, pipeline company, and, and some aviation businesses. And we were, uh, from about the time I was 40, and Renee was 40-ish, we were uh, getting burnt out on, on life and our family and, and how life was in the city. And we were, we were really discouraged, as discouraged with, with business. Uh, we were doing great at business, making, making plenty of money. and my companies were doing well, but we just we were very discouraged in the way our lives were. There was no adventure. There was nothing. It was just money, money, spend money, materialism, spend money. Our kids were growing up in a house where we had to text them if we wanted to see them. They were in all parts, you know, the other end of the house. And Yeah, with the with the internet kind of booming over the last decade um, and, and cell phones and social media, and it just seemed like we were losing touch with our kids and, and with each other. And we... We were spending money on things that were just frivolous and, and not useful. And so we, uh, we just kind of sat down and decided that hey, well, we got to do something different. What are we going to do? And we, we, had a, we had a ranch in Montana that we bought uh, 14 years ago. And we were going to go live. Our plan was to, because we don't have no internet or, or cellular or phone service at the ranch up in Montana. And so we decided that, you know what, we're going to, we would, we built a greenhouse up there. We had chicken coops up there. We were going to go live off the land and, and raise our kids in a in a in a, a uh, less materialistic environment. And right before we did that, I was watching. Um, no, Renee, we used to have family night or fam. We did things once once three times a week. We did family. And Renee lined up. We lived on a lake in Texas called Lake Grapevine, and Renee lined up a um, a sailing thing. I was trying to bring our family together, so. I said, guys, every Friday night, for example, we're going to do something. We're going to go bowling or go to the movies. And this one particular Friday night, I saw a flyer at a marina that we lived right by and it said, you know, hire this captain and send, I sit on this boat for three hours and sail the lake. And so I was like, guys, we're going to do this, whether you like it or not. And so we did it. And it kind of sparked something key. And, and what it sparked, I, I didn't like sailing, so to speak, but, uh, it was, uh, I'd always had this dream. I grew up watching Jacques Cousteau on TV. I love diving. I love the ocean. I went home that evening and, and I, I started researching on the internet. Can you look, families at sea, families sailing around the world, families exploring the world. And uh, I came across uh, Riley and Elena on Sailing La Vagabond. They're the largest YouTube sailing 
couple out there that and the largest subscriber, they got a million and a half subscribers out there. And uh, I watched them doing it back then. They only had 10,000, but uh, I watched this young Aussie couple go buy a boat unseen, never sell, and then start sailing around the world. And they were vlogging it. And I thought I can do that. Not, not the vlogging, but I can, I can do that. And 90 days later, we sold everything we had in Texas, kept the ranch in Montana and sold my company, sold everything and uh, bought a boat and we left to go sailing. We were going to, we were going to spend about two to three years on the boat. Our, our older kids were, I think, uh, 15 and 16 at the time. And so we no, knew we had... No, they were. Yeah, Jack and Anna was... Four years ago. Jack's 17. Yeah. They were 15. Or anyway, they were... Older teenagers had about three years of high school left. And so I, we wanted to sail around the world before they left the nest so that they could have this in their back pocket as they move on to college or, or their own life. And it's kind of turned into... Uh, a whole lot more than that. We like it out here. And we don't like sailing so much as we like living on a boat and living in remote locations where there's no people. <laughs> I hear you. Now, what I find really interesting is just the time frame, like how fast it went, which happens a lot in and around, you know, no matter how your kind of rootless lifestyle is, it's, I think it confuses people. I think people think to go full-time in an RV, to go full-time on a boat, to do anything takes a lot of time and planning. And it really doesn't. When when you've had enough of whatever you're doing, you'll make things happen. Yeah, we we got rid of lots of stuff. We donated thousands of things to the local um, charities. Yeah, Goodwill or whatever, and and just decided we'd had enough. Yeah, and I what was it like for the kids? I mean, I the, what, there's four or five. Well, I'm sorry, well we have five children, and there's only three on the boat now. But uh, so before we left to go to Montana. We gave, when me and Renee decided that we're going to go sailing, we, we asked the kids, what do you guys want to do? You want to go sail around the world on a, on a, on a sailboat, or do you want to go to the ranch in Montana and live off the land? They immediately said, let's go sailing. Let's go sailing. Not having any idea what that meant or what that looked like or what that would feel like. But one had internet. And, <laughs> we well, had, yeah, barely, but barely. yeah, yeah. Neither one of them were promising for, for internet or social, uh, relationships yeah so it was a the first the first six months of being on the boat was a uh it was tough it was tough on the kids it was tough on us it was a it was a, a an acclimation to living a simpler life living a life of uh, minimalism not that we're minimalist but learning that we don't need everything in the world to make us happy or to make life better oh, i agree i mean don't you kind of feel now i mean it's been you know four years for you guys don't you kind of feel like we were sold a scam in regards to what yeah. the American dream was. Oh yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And it's so easy to see when you step out of it and, and look, look in from a different perspective. My Lord, we spent so much money on stupid. Stuff. I'm keeping the grass green, you know, the yard watered and the, I mean, it was just embarrassing how much money we could have saved if we'd have done this so much sooner, but we didn't know. You don't know you're drowning until somebody pulls <laughs> you out of the water and says, I mean, I mean it's crazy. Cause we, I mean, literally spent, hundreds of thousands of dollars maintaining a lifestyle that in the end brought us absolutely no happiness. Oh, that's deep. And I think a lot of people in and around this lifestyle, and again, no matter if it's on the road or on the sea, you really start to figure that out in a way. I mean, I hate to use like the matrix, you know, like, or you come out of the cocoon. That's right. Yeah. No, I mean, it really does. That's right. Yeah. It feels that way. Now I, I w will say that that sounds like there was a lot of challenges to make it take a long time. I mean, you have you know, the house in Texas, you got to figure out what you want to do with the ranch in Montana. You've got these really successful businesses you got to get through. Now, was there any concern with, you know, like, can we get that done in time? Have you guys homeschooled before too? Like, 
what were some of the things that just made it really maybe made it difficult in the transition, but even though you were able to get it done in 90 days? So we've always homeschooled our kids. Renee, we always had the policy that if somebody's going to brainwash our kids, it might as well be us. And so we've always homeschooled. Renee's taught our kids ever since as little. Our kids never seen the inside of a public schoolhouse. And, and uh, well, never- yeah, they've done they've done co-ops and different things, but we've always been the major uh, education provider. So transitioning to homeschool on a boat was really no different than homeschool in a house. And then as far as transitioning out of the companies, it took longer than the 90 days to get that done. But we didn't tell, we bought the boat within 90 days and we were living on the boat and we were selling in the crib. We were halfway across. We were, we had sailed all the way from Florida down to Panama, out to the Eastern Caribbean and then down to the Panama Canal before we ever told anybody that we were living on a boat, including our family. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Oh, wow. And it sounds like there was no sailing experience, right? Besides this three hour tour that you guys rented, you'd really done no sail. Okay. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah, they all thought we were crazy. And of course, the, the grandmas, mother-in-laws and everybody said, how dare you take our grandbabies away from us and throw them in the ocean. And so that was one of the reasons why we started um, putting our videos up on YouTube just to kind of show them, hey, look, we, we kind of know what we're doing. We're doing OK. And and that was kind of the start of the, the YouTube channel. Yeah, within it took about what a year for our house to sell. It's up there forever. We lost money on that. We lost money on the businesses he sold. It was a huge huge risk. And there was, there was a lot of loss, but it, but we wanted, I mean, we had money, but we didn't, I could have made a lot more money had I not been in such a hurry to sell them. But I was, we were so done with that life that we didn't care about the loss we might take. Yeah. When do you find the perfect time to do something like this? I mean, there's never the right time. It's like saying, when, when should we have children? Right. No, I always make that joke as a single dad that raised four kids. I had custody of all four of my kids. I make that joke all the time where people are like, well, we're not going to have a kid till we're ready. And I'm like, cool. I'll see you in the yeah. retirement home without kids because that never happens. <laughs> exactly. Well, let's talk a little bit about the the travel aspect of your life. So let's talk about the boat and, you know, just what you had to go through to kind of learn it. Or did you guys just literally buy a boat and say, you know, what? we'll figure out the wind's going that way. Let's go. That's what we did. We bought a boat. And we'll figure it out on the way we hired. We bought a, the first boat we bought was a monohull down in Florida. And uh, we bought it because that's what Riley and Elena bought on Sailing La Vagabond. And I thought, well, if they made it around the world on a Beneteau monohull, I can do the same thing with my family. And that was wrong thinking, but that's what we did. And uh, we hired a captain for about three days. He took us out and showed, and, and he wasn't really a captain. He, he just had the title. That's about all he was. But he showed us how to raise a sail, take a sail down. And then after that, I kicked him off the boat and we learned on our own. And we literally took off and sailed all the way to Australia in that boat over the course of 2016, 2017. And then we decided... By the time we got to the Panama Canal, we decided we wanted a catamaran instead of monohull. And so we started looking for a, a catamaran. And once we got to Australia and we sold this boat, we had found, sold the monohull. We had found this catamaran that we're on, this privilege that we're on in Greece. And so we bought it. And uh, within two months of leaving the other boat, we had this boat and we were on this boat in the Mediterranean. And then we sailed from the Mediterranean all the way back to New Zealand last year. And now we're in Fiji right now. Wow. Now, a lot of people don't know a boat from a boat. You know what I mean? And so like, give me like an understanding of how many rooms does it have? Uh, they're called cabins, right? On a boat. How many cabins that's, does that's it right. have? That's how many right. bathrooms does it have? Like that kind of thing. All right. So the boat we're on right now is a catamaran, which means it has two holes. It's a sailboat. It's, it's also a condo on the water. Yeah. It's really what a catamaran is. Yeah, it's a condo on the water. And it's got, this boat has uh, five bed, five cabins and five bathrooms. And a crew cor- and a crew cabin with a bathroom ahead. 
We call them heads. And uh, it's got um, three refrigerators. It's got two generators. It's got two main engines. It's got yeah, water maker, a big water maker, so you can take the salt water and turn it into fresh water to drink. It's got scuba compressor, so you can fill your scuba tanks up. We've got all the kite gear and all that kind of stuff. It's got it's got everything you'd want for an expedition type boat. And, and this is what we wanted was a boat that could be out at sea for a long time and have all the toys and have all the kit that you needed on the boat so that you could go wherever and, and stay out there. Well, we have a, a dinghy or a tender and that's, that's our, our vehicle to go to shore or go, go anywhere. That's your SUV. So basically, yeah, we have a condo on the water with a little SUV. That's amazing. It's funny. I call my 42 foot, fifth wheel mm-hmm. a condo on wheels because yeah, people are like go. oh do you love you know camping for and I'm like I'm not camping nobody has a tv that goes up and down behind the fireplace in their tent this is not camping <laughs> so it's it's cool to hear you guys call it a condo on water I I like hearing <laughs> and, that as well and, and I don't know if you noticed David we also before we bought the boat but when we were living in Dallas uh we had a uh, we had a 45 foot motorhome that we traveled around on America with for a couple years oh wow and no. Yeah, I did not know that. No, one of the things too, that a lot of people, it's funny, people sometimes give me credit where they're like, wow, Damien, you do a lot of research before. I try not to. I watched a couple of your guys' videos to get like just a feel, but then I feel like if I know too much, then I start setting up questions and stuff like that. So I didn't know that you guys had even RV experience. That was just something you guys did. Well, again, you're homeschooling, so you can do it anytime you want to, but it was like going from Texas back to the ranch and then it was just going to other states as well. Yeah. Just, just travel around America. Yeah, but the nice. kids were really small. We had um, the four kids that lived with us. The fifth was on her own. She lived with her mom. She was uh, from Keith's first marriage. But the four kids were little. I had four kids under, what, six? And yeah. so RVing with four little ones was not, not much fun. <laughs> Wasn't fun. No, I, I bet. I bet that's tough. Now, in some of the, the quick videos I watched, you guys really do seem like you have amazing kids. Like they are loving life. And I think the, the one video I saw, I happen to have, I think Jason and Nikki on as well too. And, um, just, you know, them surfing and hanging out. And I just, it seems like an amazing life. Like I have beach kids, you know, I'm originally from Southern California. All my kids love the water whenever they can. And your kids just seem like they're flourishing. How's that been with the family now, now that the family sees this, but hold on real quick, because what I did like what you said to Renee earlier is we started the channel so the family could see it. I think anytime you start creating content with that kind of mindset, you're going to be successful. You know, when it's, when it's done with that kind of love and care to keep in contact with family and friends, I think that's when you find out about these channels that do really well. But what's the family been like now that they see, you know, just, I mean, it just seems like they're just having a blast. Yeah. Yeah. They, they, they all support us now um, for sure. We haven't gotten very many out on the boat because they still think, Oh, that's scary and dangerous and, but yeah, I always made home movies when we go anywhere to Disney World or RV. I have tons of movies of our RV days and they're pretty terrible. But so we thought, you know, we would put something together and show them that we're not crazy. And, you know, we're able to, to figure out how to sail this boat and get in a port. And so everybody's very supportive now. And as far as our kids go, it, it changed the whole dynamic relationship with our children. We, we had we not done this, our we wouldn't know who our children are today. I, I mean, we would, we would have a different level of knowing, which would be a lot less than what we have today. I mean, I, I'm so thankful we did what we did because it changed the kind of father I was. Yeah. It changed the kind of mother that Renee was. It changed the kind of kids we had. Well, and I don't know, you said you didn't watch much of our stuff, Damien, but um, about a year ago, we had Jack's long distance girlfriend who was also a sailing kid and they just kept in touch via social media for two years. 
And last year we uh, talked to her parents. She flew out to Tahiti, stayed on the boat with us for um, about two months, I think. And so we got to see our 16-year-old son in, interact with a girl for the first time. You know, we got to watch watch his first real relationship. And we would not have gotten that if we'd been in the city. We wouldn't have gotten to experience all of that, the the ups and the downs and the, you know, awkwardness. And the it was just amazing. No, I bet. That sounds actually really awesome. I think my dad would have been terrible though. My dad would have teased me so hard and there's nowhere you can go. So I don't know how you were, Keith, but probably a lot better than my pops would have done. Yeah, it was, it was tough. I was trying to make sure we didn't have uh, grandbabies prematurely. Yeah. It was very new, new for us. So we, we learned a lot too, but if we had been anywhere else, we wouldn't have gotten that experience. And and we got to truly experience because there was no place for them to hide. So their physical affection and kissing and making, they, they, it was natural for them. They weren't ashamed of it and we didn't make it a big issue. And so it was, we got to experience our son's first love firsthand right there because they had no place to go hide in a car, go park somewhere or anything. So, you know, it wasn't, they did take the dinghy a time or two and yeah. kind of go away a little. They had a little privacy, but but it yeah. was it was neat to experience that. And to them, to our children, it was normal. Unlike our generation, that would have been so unnormal, uh, abnormal doing that, being yourself in front of your parents. Right, right. No, I totally get it. And, and I think for me too. I mean, I look back with the kids, and you know, could I have gone? Let's say just full time RVing as the kids got older with obviously me not being with the kid's mom anymore. I probably couldn't have, but I look back at that and I, I do see the moments where my relationship would have been different with them and it would have been different for them. And I talk about on the show all the time. I do wish whether it's, you know, again, full-time in a, in an RV or on a boat, there's just something about it that changes you in regards to stuff and things, you know, and if you could learn that at a younger age, cause you know, I'm, I'll be 50 next year. And it's really in the last three or four years that I've learned that stuff doesn't, matter it's the it's the biggest bullshit lie story we've ever been told and it's the experiences and so i it right now when you're saying i'm hearing it because you know my oldest daughter will be 30 next year she used to run away from me and now she runs to me as an adult she'll get in her car and if i'm in utah and close to california she'll drive and hang out you know and so and i You do. You do see that. But I like hearing from you guys because you're homeschooling. You've, you've got your own businesses. So there's all this like where people are like, you know, normally the excuse is, oh, well, my kids are always in school. It's hard for me to connect. Or I'm always, you know, I have to be at work when work tells me to be there. It's hard to connect. But even though you guys had the freedom to really have that connection, it was still difficult, which I actually really like hearing because I think a lot of people think that it's you know their fault. And that's pretty common now for the parents and kids really not to connect even when they're all in the same house with all the different devices and distractions that don't mean anything. Mm, yeah. It's the, impossible. Then the neat thing is Anna, she is our, uh, was our oldest on the boat. She is now 19. She started with us four years ago and she didn't do real great on the boat. I mean, physically she was fine. She was Keith's right hand man helping and fix things. She had did night watch. She did everything, but socially she had, she had struggles investing in relationships because there's not a lot of other teenagers out on boats. And so she could not wait to get to college, leave the boat. And now she is in college in Texas at a university. And, and I talk with her not just every day, but probably four or five times a day. And like you said, she's, she's realized that what she truly has a value is, is the people on this boat. And she was so looking so forward to making friends at college and she has, yet she's already had struggles with those friends. And she's realizing that, you know, family is, is really all that's truly there for you. Nothing counts so much as blood. Yeah. Everybody else is 
everything else is just strangers. I love it. I love it. Now let's, uh, let's transition really quick to work. So, okay, we got rid of the businesses. You're on the boat. Are you guys just, did you use the proceeds from that? You guys still working? What's going on? Well, we say we, we saved a lot of money while we were working in those years. We did save a lot of money. We spent a lot of money, but we saved a lot of money and that's what paid for all of this. And we retired and uh, you know, we don't have to work anymore. We have to be careful. We don't have all the money in the world, but, uh, uh, you know, the, the, we do make a little money from YouTube and, and the YouTube and the, the vlogging and all that stuff has been great for our children because they participate and they earn money from being part of that business. So that's always, that's been good for them to, um, that's how they make their money. That's their job. And they've learned how to brand themselves, market themselves, deal with sponsorships, partnerships, uh, everything business 101, they are getting a lesson front and center of how to, how to market themselves and how to, how to take a, and me and Renee, before this, we didn't have social media. We didn't have Facebook, Instagram. We didn't, we didn't do none of this stuff. And uh, so we've had to learn that industry and learn that business. And, and uh, it, it, it does make us a little bit of money, but more importantly, it's, it's making money for the children and, and the work that they put into the, the videos and the back office stuff. Yeah. Without a doubt. I mean, these are skills that they'll be able to really transfer into any job. I always talk about people should get a sales or marketing something in their life. You know, cause yeah. it is funny, funny. I always laugh that like lawyers and doctors, you know, they all graduate and they all want to work for themselves, but none of them have taken any sales or marketing classes. They have no way to even promote themselves. It's the weirdest kind of trap there too, you know, which is so funny to me, but that's great that they're learning all these different skills. Did you guys, were you guys vlogging like from the get go or were you sailing for a little while and then started, or was it from day one? I think our vert. Our first, we were documenting it. Renee was filming. Renee's always made home movies, even before we did this, of our vacations and different things. So we'd have something for posterity for our kids. And um, when we started sailing, we start, she started video on that and, 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 and doing that. And then it just turned into what it is now. Yeah, we started filming. I think as, as soon as we decided we were going to buy a boat, uh, we filmed packing everything up in Dallas. And me and Keith went to Florida shopping for a boat, um, just because I love documenting everything. And um, we didn't make it public or announce it to our friends and family for a long time. Yeah, for six, seven months. Yeah, and I remember somebody um, saw a video that was a little too close to us, a family member. And so we were like, oh, no. So we shut the YouTube channel down for a spell because we weren't sure if we wanted everybody to know that we were sailing away on a boat just yet. I had business partners and business dealings that I was still trying to unwind. And they, I didn't need them knowing that I was out in the middle of the ocean, <laughs> even though I was still taking care of business. I, it was kind of a, it was touch and go there for a little bit. No, that sounds like that's really funny. I've, I've talked to people that have worked for people and asked, you know, were they kind of quiet about it when they got on the road and stuff. And a lot of them been like, yeah, we were, you know, I didn't want people to see that we were doing this, but I've never heard or tried to hide it from the family. That actually makes me kind of laugh. I love that. Because <laughs> it is, it is one of those things that once you're out doing it and you kind of prove it and then you let people know whether you're working for someone or family or a partner, especially if you're in some sort of remote position. And then they find yeah. out that you've done it for six months. There is that like, oh, okay, well, I can't complain that it's going to be scary. What happens if this, this, and this? Because you've already done it for a period of time. Yeah. So it is a smart way to go about it. Yeah. I mean, it's hard where I'm like, don't lie and deceive people. But it is tough because people do come out with their fears. What's the analogy I love using? You know, how to keep a crab in a bucket is put another crab in there. And once one crab <laughs> yeah. tries to get out and leave, the other one just grabs and pulls them in and they do it back and forth to each other all day long. <laughs> And that's the cruise. That's the cruising community out here. <laughs> yeah, and it, that's so funny to me that you guys had to had to do that. But I actually, I actually really love that. I think what probably a lot of the listeners will be thinking right now, because usually I try to stay away from it. 
when I'm doing RVers, but internet, I got to believe it's a little different sailing. How is that for you guys? It's, it's, it's intermittent. I mean, like here in Fiji, we've got great internet. And then some places we go in the world, we have no internet, but it's getting more and the internet's getting more and more predominant. We can't escape it. Our kids, you know, they have devices now and out here on the boat and it's, it's everywhere. I mean, What's interesting is when you're back in the city, living in the suburbs, you don't even know how much a gigabyte is or costs or what you can do with one gig or 10 gigs or how much it costs. And we just really take that for granted because when you're out here, you you know exactly how many gigs you need to upload that video and you know how much you need to buy on your data plan. And it's it's an entirely new perspective, kind of primitive. Yeah. I I think the same thing about weight and I bet it's probably the same for a boat. I think most people are like, well, Damien, you can only have so much. And I'm like, it's not just what I can't have. It's how much of of weight I can put in the rig. I recently had solar installed and I had to get rid of things to make room for the solar, even though I have plenty of space, but it's just the weight of the batteries and the panels made me, oh, I got to get rid of this bike that I'm not riding very often anyways, kind of a thing. And yeah, and for us, it would be, it would be power usage. If we can't just add anything we want and plug anything in, or we won't have enough battery power to now power is a big, power is a big issue out here on the water. Oh, it sounds like it. Yeah. And then I was surprised too. I, I don't know what I was watching at one time where someone was talking about it, it's months of supplies that these boats can carry. And I was really impressed with that. Is that same thing for you guys in regards to like fuel and food or is it? Yeah, you can carry, you know, you, you generally carry a couple of months worth of supplies of stuff, especially when you find a place that's got dry staples and, and stuff that you want that'll last a long time. You stock up on that in a port and you store it because you don't know when you're going to see that. But like fruits and vegetables and stuff like that, you can get anywhere. But the dry goods and different things, canned goods that you, you do like or you want, you, you don't want to try to stock up on that because you out here on the water, you don't know when you're going to find a, a grocery store that has your kind of brands that you like. Yeah. When we first got the monohull, we stuffed the, the floor lockers, cabinets, containers, everything full of everything, canned goods, everything. Cause we didn't know, we didn't know anything. We didn't know, you know, it's, we're going to be on the Pacific ocean for four weeks crossing, had no idea if we would run out of food or how much we consume. And, and so now we've, we've learned kind of, you know, what we can get by with. We don't really have to have you know, 20, 10 pound bags of rice, uh, just, you know, stuff like that. And fuel, I think you guys are pretty conservative yeah. with the fuel. Yeah. You have to be very conservative with fuel and, and because that's, that's expensive. Number one. And number two is you got to have enough to get you to the next spot. Yeah. There's no gas station just in the middle of the Atlantic or anything like that. Right. You can't just pull over on exit 17 and, and grab some fuel. Yeah. And if the wind dies, you, you've got to, do something. You either motor or you sit there and wait float. or float until the wind picks back up. I gotcha. Uh, that's, that's really interesting. Let me ask you real quick too, in regards to like cooking, you know, back in bricks and sticks in 2016, were you guys doing a lot of home meals or was it a lot of eating out and just like quick meals? And cause I feel oh, like it was, it was, it was Mexican food every night, every day, eating out we all ate, the time. We ate fast food, at least one meal a day. And Mexican food every and night. Sometimes, sometimes twice a day because I, and I don't know why I feel like we were just so busy all the time. We had this beautiful gourmet kitchen in our home and all the utensils and everything you can think of in a huge refrigerator. You could make the best food and the best stuff. And now we're on a boat and we cook more gourmet food here than we did yeah. than we did on land because we have to. Right. Because you have to here. Yeah. Back in the States, it just uh, felt like we were, even though we were homeschooled, we still shuffled the kids from activity to activity to gymnastics to church group to this to that and it was still um hard for us to 
I don't know. Was it hard for us to make meals or were we just too lazy? Maybe? Too, too lazy and fat and we like the taste of uh, Mexican food. Oh my gosh, what I would do for some Tex-Mex right now. Yeah, <laughs> you got me wanting to, I'll probably head south, <laughs> you know, pretty soon here just because of that. Um, Thanks. Yeah. Well, let's get into exploring real quick. I think people would be interested in just knowing some of the kind of spots. And I know you've mentioned a few. And I know you're saying you're in Fiji right now. But uh, just give me kind of a, a, a rundown of some of the places. I mean, four years is a long time, but maybe just, you know, grab some of the big staple places you guys have been to. We've traveled over 45,000 nautical miles in the boat and in four years. And we've, we've been from Europe, Greece, the Mediterranean, the, to the Caribbean, the Atlantic Ocean. Uh, the Panama Canal twice. Uh, across the Pacific twice. Across, across the Pacific twice. I think we've been to like 40 or 50 countries. I haven't yeah. written them all down, but we've swam with whales in Tonga and dove with sharks yeah. in uh, French Polynesia. Saw Auschwitz and the Holocaust stuff in, in Poland and when we was in Europe. Uh, been all over, you know, the land in Europe. So, yeah, you guys spent some time loading up in the dinghy and then heading into land, it sounds like. Uh, yeah, we do. We go to land and then we'll either, if we're going to be at a place a, a long time, we'll buy a, we'll buy a car or rent a car and uh, go do land tours and, and go see things on land. Nice. Yeah, we drove through Australia and saw uh, Yeah, I've been all over uh, Australia, you know, 8,000 kilometers now back of Australia. Just lots of different things, you know, that traveling is fun. We're a family that likes uh, geography and we like to see wildlife and we like to see ocean life. We're not real keen for us. We're not culture people. We don't really like uh, humanity to us is everywhere we've been. Humans are the same. They're not much different. And so, and I don't mean to be jaded or sound arrogant. I don't want to sound that, but we're just not into humanity that much. It's, it's the same everywhere you go. Everybody's working, trying to feed your family, raise your kids, do something different, get ahead, do your thing. And so we, we just like the wildlife and, and nature and, and what's under the water and, and, and you know, that yeah, kind of stuff. When we went to, um, like, a lot of people go to, to, to Greece or Italy to drink wine on the cafe, and we're just really not those kind of people. We'd rather do cliff jumping off the, yeah, our, you know, underwater exploration instead of... Uh, yeah, culture's not our thing. It's, and, and, and it's just because we've, we've seen enough of humanity to know that humanity is pretty much the same. <laughs> I like that. No, no. You I mean, know, I, I think that's really transparent and really kind of deep in a way that I, I like that where I think a lot of people do do a lot of traveling for culture. And, and I'm the one that's always like, you know, you can do a ton here in the States. It sounds like you guys did that before you got on a boat, but you can do a ton of traveling. I, I feel like everyone's like, we got to go to Europe. And I'm like, you know, there's, no. there's a ton of just to see here in the United States, do that for a little while. And then you can go to different areas, but I definitely like the idea of going places and, and jumping off of cliffs and, you know, diving with sharks. I don't know if I could dive with sharks, but I might be able to. Might be. Yeah, there's, America is, is, yeah, there's a lot to explore in America for sure. I mean, from a wildlife perspective, it's in America and Canada is like unbelievable. Well, uh, and our, our plan, hopefully once, you know, if we ever make it around the globe is to park the boat in the Bahamas somewhere and, and get an RV um, to, to go inland and, and be with our kids wherever they decide to settle down at if they're not on a boat. Anna's in Texas. And so, you know, have a little RV to, to, to go all over the U.S. and but still have our boat and we can still live on our boat most of the time. Yeah, you'll be able to choose what you want to do and when you want to do it. That sounds like a, yeah. a ton of fun. Now, yeah. one of the things I like to do is and 
kind of to end the show is we do this thing called the high low. It's something I did with my kids and we'd sit around the dinner table. Uh, and I did it just because I wanted them to realize that even though you know, the ages were two to 12, they were all dealing with different things. And I think a lot of times, whether you're full-time RVing or, you know, you're on a motorcycle or you're on a boat, there's still interesting highs and lows. So I always like to start with the low, but what was one of the lows in and around this lifestyle that maybe you didn't expect that hit you guys at some point? What was the low for you guys? The lowest for me was uh, Anna leaving. Yeah, I would have to say the same thing. I didn't, I guess I never thought, and that's just a parent, you know, I never thought my kids would leave the nest and she, uh, she struggled with boat life for a while. She felt you know, socially isolated. And, and, um, so in February we said goodbye at the airport. She stayed in Dallas and we all flew back to New Zealand without her. And that was really, really hard, even though I know she's happy, but that was the hardest thing I'd ever do. Yeah. And and you're, you are right though. There's a, I mean, I I guarantee your dynamics a little different than most kids going away to call it. Definitely. Because you guys have this, you know, family nucleus, you guys are doing this trip together. You know, and it's, it definitely is different. So I can see that as being, as being really yeah. tough. I hear you. How have the kids been being away from kind of each other? How's that for them? No, I think it's made them stronger. I think it, they've realized, Hey, I miss my sister and yeah. the sister misses her brothers. And it's just been an awakening for everybody. You don't take it for granted, you know, and, and we're, I'm looking forward to see what the next year brings to all of them and, and see how it goes when they all get back together. Yeah. We, we FaceTime her, like I said, all the time, three or four, five times a day. And, you know, when we're going somewhere, I'll show her where we're at, what we're doing. I'll say, hey, remember when we were over here in Fiji and we did this or did that? And and she starts to kind of miss it. And, and she realizes that there was, you know, she had a she had a great life with us and she values family and and our our shared experiences. And, you uh, know, another low was missing my my oldest daughter's grand her uh, birth, her my, birth yeah. my grandbaby's birth. I wasn't there for that. That was kind of a low too. That was tough. We were stuck in Panama, yeah. waiting to go through the canal, and um, she hadn't gone into labor yet. And we had to go ahead and cross the Pacific because weather dictated we go now or we don't go for six months. Yeah. And so we left, and she gave birth while we were on the ocean. It was it was pretty crappy. Okay. Yeah, that's the, that's the, uh, when you talk about lows, it generally uh, with this lifestyle, it has to do with family because it, yeah. you can't get back to see your, your, you know, at least in our world, our immediate family, my, my, my daughters. Yeah. Oh, I hear you. That makes sense. And I think that'll transition probably into the high. So the high has always been the, you know, I can't believe this is our life kind of moment. You oh, know, yeah. Take me in one of those. What's been one of those? For sure. Probably. Um, uh, Jack with Lily, his girlfriend. I mean, I, it was just so fun to watch them. You know, they were in love as 16 year olds could be in love online. And then they met and it was great for a few days. And then the last few days they hated each other and were fighting like married people. And it was, that was a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah. The highs for me out here or when we, when you're, uh, you know, that that's good too. But for me personally, I, I like the, uh, when you're sitting in the water and you're, you're 10 feet away from a, you know, a, a hundred foot, uh, humpback whale and their eyeballs <laughs> looking straight at you. That's, that's very, uh, humbling. Uh, that's very cool. Yeah. And, you, and you did say kind of in the beginning that you like being on the boat, but you don't necessarily like the sailing. When you're going like for a long time across the Atlantic or the Pacific, 
what is that like? Is that a, is that a high or a low? I mean, when you're that's a low, it is. that's a low, it's, it's very boring. It's very monotonous and it's, uh, it's not dangerous. It can, it can be dangerous, I guess, but you know, with the modern technology and weather reporting and weather routing, it's not a big deal anymore, but very boring and very monotonous. And it just, uh, it's like being in a prison for 20 days. <laughs> well, a prison in a condo. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, it's just, you can't get out, you know, you're stuck on a boat and you're yeah. stuck, you're stuck, just, it's, yeah. it's, it's, sailing is not fun for us as a family. We don't, we don't enjoy sailing. We like living on a boat. I enjoy living on a boat. I enjoy everything being just like an RV. Everything's right there for you to take care of. You don't have to worry about property taxes. You don't have to worry about mowing the lawn. You just have to take care of what's right there in front of you. Yeah. But when you're on the road and you got a thousand miles ahead of you, that's really not the fun part. The fun part is, is showing up and, uh, Hooking up to your, I remember that hooking up to sewage and uh, yeah, water and all that. <laughs> hooking up to everything, getting your <laughs> pulling the slide outs out and putting awnings out and just sitting down in the chair, getting a fire going and and <laughs> cooking some food and going and and exploring and seeing what's out there. Without a doubt, and when you brought up it being safe, and when you were saying safe, I wasn't thinking weather. I was thinking like actual like pirates or other ships on sea. Is that ever really an issue or something you have to worry about or think about? Those are issues. You do have to, you don't have to worry about it in the Pacific or the Atlantic as much as you do have to worry about like the places we're going over the next couple of years, uh, in Malaysia, Indonesia, the Philippines, those kind of places. We have to be careful when we're off the coast of Colombia or Africa, we've always had to be careful there. And, and so you do have to be careful about pirates and, and, and bad, bad people. Gotcha. Yeah. It's just like driving through a, a you know, a bad part of town. you you take your precautions and you do it at a safe time and you, you know, buddy boat with a, a couple of other boats. So you're not alone. And, and it's not that bad. There's been too many movies, Hollywood movies that make, you know, make sailing look like it's perfect storm or jaws or, you know, bad things. And there are bad things that'll happen, but they're very, very rare. Right. Yeah. Without a doubt. It's very similar to it sounds like the RV we had. You know, there was an incident with some RVers that were boondocking. And I remember people were losing their minds and they'll never go boondocking again. And I'm just like, you, you can, that happens at campgrounds. What are you talking about? Yeah. There's times where two neighbors get in a fight and something bad happens. It happens wherever you are, whatever you're doing. But it was funny because as soon as your mind said, you know, with safety, I was thinking pirates. And then you went to weather and I was like, oh, I wonder if it's really an issue. Um, <laughs> I think what I want to make sure to do here, and I'm going to link everything they say down in the notes. So you don't have to write it down, folks. but you know, where can people find you? I know people are going to want to watch, you know, your channel and check out your videos and probably, you know, maybe figure out a way how they can get a, a hold of you if they need to, or at least, you know, how to understand how you can go from an idea, a three hour rental to then 90 days later to then four years, you know, and I mean, 45,000 nautical miles. That's just unbelievable. You know, where can people find you? Well, if you just type in anywhere in the internet, sailing Zatara, Z-A-T-A-R-A, Sailing Zatara. It'll, it'll pop up everything you can imagine. We have, we have a website, sailingzatara.com. You look us up on YouTube, Sailing Zatara, Instagram, Sailing Zatara. Just Sailing Zatara. I mean, there you go. we're a household name. We're a household name. I love it. So where did the name come from, though? That's something I've been asking when it's not, you know, like Eric and Jay's adventures. It, no, yeah, we're, 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 one of our favorite movies is The Count of Monte Cristo. And, uh, the main uh, actor in there is his nickname from the pirates. Uh, now my mind is blank. Edmund Dantes is the main character. Yeah, and, and he comes across some pirates and they give him the name. They call him Zatara, which means driftwood. 
Yeah. And at first he thinks it's a very fearless name until they tell him it means driftwood. And he's like, oh, okay. And, then, so, and and Jack Jack came up with that, our oldest son. So we were brainstorming, and he just said, "Why don't we call it Zatara?" And it just clicked, and we liked it. I love it. I love it. Well, Keith Renee, I really appreciate you guys coming on the show. I mean, it's exciting to have people that are finding you know just really different ways of living their life. But I do love that mathematically the formula comes back to you know getting out of that bricks and sticks and just trying something different, whether you know you have kids or don't have kids just what it does and how different it is and how it opens your eyes to what's really important. It's interesting to hear that whether you're on the road or you're on the sea, it's almost the same message, which I'm, I was really stoked to end up hearing from you guys. And I just want to thank you both for making time coming on the show, hanging out with me and, you know, sharing your story. And I'm excited that people are going to be able to find you. And, you know, it was just really great to be able to meet you guys over the, the internet and talk to you. Well, thanks for having us, Damien. Awesome. Thank you, Damien. One, one thing I wanted to say also is that um, our our channel is uh, is very family oriented. And so my goal is to inspire others who have kids, older kids to step out of the box, to go sailing or RVing or whatever off the grid. And so I just wanted to, uh, to put that out there that uh, you can be safe watching our channel. There's not going to be a lot of uh, foul language or bikinis. <laughs> right on. I love it. What a great way to end. Thank you so much, Renee. Okay. Thanks, Keith. You bet. Well, another fun episode and a big thank you to Keith and Renee for coming on the show and giving us an insider's look at what their journey has been like. I know this episode is going to spark a lot of interest in people wanting to get out and maybe get on the water or just start thinking about different ways that you can live this life. Now, don't forget in the links below, you can find their channel and you really should search for them and check out some of their videos. It really is amazing what they're able to do every single day. Also, just a friendly reminder, if you're enjoying this podcast or if you're a reader of the Rootless Living magazine, if I could ask you to share it on your favorite social media channel, it's a big help in getting the word out, and I really appreciate it. And if for some reason you think you might be a good guest or you know someone that would be a good guest for the Rootless Living podcast, I'm starting to schedule new guests for 2021, you can email us at podcast at rootlessliving.com. Again, that's podcast at rootlessliving.com. Until next week, stay rootless.